You're listening to Just Asking with therapist Stephen Ng. It's a conversation on what we're all thinking about, but no one's talking about. Our sexuality and how to manage it intelligently. Hi, this is Stephen Ng, and I want to invite everybody listening to join in on this very unusually comfortable conversation about the usually uncomfortable topic of human sexuality. I'm here with my friend Jackie and a few other friends we're going to introduce you to. Hi, Jackie. Hi, how are you? I am doing well. You you uh, also brought this conversation, I think. Uh, what, what are we talking about today? This is, again, something, a conversation that um, I have a lot with different people um, about parenting LGBTQIA plus uh, children and how we could do a better job as parents. And um, I am one, so I am speaking from experience on this on the parent side. But what I thought would be interesting is to bring people in from the LGBTQIA plus side to advise us parents on how we could do a better job. Well, uh, yeah, we have a couple of guests here with us today, and I thought maybe I could let you uh, gentlemen introduce yourselves. Yeah. Um, so I'm Kurt Thigpen. Uh, I am an openly gay, cisgendered man. Um, I'm uh, president of the American Ad Federation here in Reno and CEO of A Studios. And, and married to a beautiful man. Yes, gorgeous. <laughs> How long have you been married? Uh, next month will be three years. Wow, that's great. We just celebrated four years of being together, though, so yeah. And... I'm Levi. I uh, have a transgender experience, man of transgender experience, I guess you could say. Um, and yeah, it's mostly about it. It's nothing. I just kind of hang out. So Okay. So uh, all four of us are significantly different. We've got a cisgender uh, hetero male, a cisgender homosexual male, a gay male, a, a cisgender heterosexual mother of a uh, a child who is trans, yeah, and we have uh, um, Levi who has a trans experience. Yep. Oh, and don't forget, don't forget Evan who's on the board. <laughs> <laughs> we love Evan. Well, and we will give Evan credits and and music credits at the end. So um, this conversation is really not so much about gender identity as it, I suppose, as it is about parenting and trying to help parents figure out what the heck they're doing and who who wants to go first in terms of oh well let's start off with things not to do (laughs) it's easiest to dive into like what not to do um i mean i'll go first if that's fine um you know, I'll, I'll just give you guys a little background, and, and Steve and Jackie know a little bit about my background. Um, I grew up in the Deep South in Georgia, uh, very, very conservative area of the U.S. Um, I grew up in a very Baptist community. Um, I realized very early on at like five years old I was gay. I just didn't really know what that was, what it meant. I just knew I had a crush on my kindergarten best friend. <laughs> um but, you know, whenever I came out um, and I was actually outed online in a blog post by someone who I was talking to online at another school. But um, when I actually had to come out to my parents, um, it didn't really go that well. Like I wrote a letter to my mom because I couldn't really like verbalize it because I was like choking up so much. Um, you know, she didn't accept it because of her own religious beliefs. Same goes for my dad and some of my family members that, you know, they because of religion, they couldn't stomach, you know, who I was. Um, 
And so it's taken them a number of years, a lot of turmoil to come to terms with that. But my my the thing off the top of my head, based on my experience, is if you have if you're a parent and you have these religious beliefs, it's important not to bring that into the conversation when your child comes out to you because they can feel immediately judged and chastised and all of that. Yeah, I uh, I have to say we've covered this topic a little bit, this a topic of sexuality and religion in these podcasts. And invariably, it seems as though really uh, conservative religious people, at least, keep believing that we're all here to serve the religion rather than the religion being here to serve us. But I don't know of any religion that has a rush to judgment that, that you know, is required. So uh, I like I like your idea about being able to just listen, no matter how religious we might be. Maybe we could benefit from just listening to not only one another, but especially our kids. Yeah, and I think just talking talking it through with them is important, too, because, I mean, no one asked me any questions about how I was feeling, how I was dealing with any of this. I kind of thought it was kind of my cross to bear, if you will. How old were you when you were outed? Uh, 14. Okay, and and how long has it taken for your parents to sort of come around? Um, Probably, so 14, I'm, tw- I'm about to be 28, so I'd say, well, yeah, that long. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. It was the hardest, well, the last time it really peaked was when my husband and I got engaged. And even though I had felt like in my mind they did plenty of time to get comfortable with this uh, idea or whatever you want to call it. They would have appreciated they would another have, 30 years or yeah, so. Probably, or just some sort of celibacy pact or something like that. Um, so, you know, it got to the point where I didn't speak to my dad for eight months because he just was not on board with it. He wasn't going to come to the wedding. My mom was coming. She was fine by that point. But my dad was like, I'm not coming. Did he eventually come? No. Uh, we didn't talk until after the wedding was over, like around the holidays. And I think by then, you know, I'd freezed him out long enough <laughs> to where he'd realized, like, you know, I need to fix this. And and from his parental concern or his parental perspective, it was a matter of you going to hell or a matter of something more personal to him? Um, I think from what, from conversations I've had with not just him, but others, you know, in that area in my family, you know, it's the definitely going to hell. Definitely like you're sinning. It's, you know, against nature, you know, uh, that sort of stuff. And then there's just the lack of understanding with like, you know, they still think it's a choice and I have to tell them like, no, I've always felt this way from day one. Yeah. I don't know how, uh, well, I, I think that business of choice started off as some sort of a faux sop to um, uh, a different language other than just con- condemnation. Uh, and I would hear people and still continue to hear people say, I just don't agree with that lifestyle choice. But when I turn it around and ask them, well, so your sexuality, it's a lifestyle choice. You could just choose to be gay if you wanted to. And they they look at me like I'm crazy and they say, well, no. <laughs> and so why would you presume that it's different for anybody else on the planet than what you yourself are experiencing? And I have to say with some gratitude that a lot of people turn turn that around when they are confronted in that way. So that's been really working for me. So your advice, I mean, you, you told us what not to do. Well, I mean, again, I think... 
just having a sense of openness about it, regardless of how you feel about it, whether it's the nurture versus nature argument, the religious part of that, just have an open mind when talking to your kids and try and be as non-judgmental as possible. Levi, can I ask you, what was your experience like with your family? Um, it's a really long story. Um, I think an important part of the story is that it took time um, to... I, I think the important part of the story is that it took time, you know, like it wasn't a one-time conversation. It wasn't like a one-situation sit-down. It was years and years of people growing on their own and, you know, having to interact in spite of that. Um, so, you know, there were times where it felt like it would never get better and times that it felt okay. And, you know, I think what where I stand now is like I, the relationship that I have with my family is good and I like where it stands because there's enough space that everybody can kind of like live their own lives and like be their own people and nobody steps on anybody's toes and that's a really important thing to have at least in my familial relationships for myself and I think that space has allowed my family the time to kind of grapple with their own ideas and their own prejudgments or um, whatever they may have had feelings towards it, and they were able to kind of work that out on their own time, and I think in their own way, and I think that's important. Yeah, we were just talking about how, for some families at least, religion is the lens through which they view all these sexual questions. For your own family, was it religion, or was it, would you say something else altogether? Mm, I think it was just a mix of things, culture, religion, you know, I'd been living away from home for many years as well, so I'm sure part of that was just, you know, I hadn't been around as well, so there's that distance that's created when you do live away from your family that kind of impacts any relationship. So I think all of those as a conglomerate just kind of just made them feel very distant from the situation so they couldn't really understand without being there, you know, to see me and know that I was okay, know that it wasn't like you know, anything negative that, but once they were able to see me and I could visit and it was more comfortable, I think they were okay. I think the biggest thing that was the issue is that they wanted me to be safe, you know, and they wanted me to have a good life. And, you know, the worry of me not being able to have that was the biggest issue for them, I think. So it was all from a motivation of love. Yeah, really. Like you can love someone, you know, more than you can explain, but that doesn't mean that it's always the healthiest way to love right. somebody, you know? Right. Right. And so that was ultimately the biggest thing is how can I love this person and give them the freedom to be them without attaching expectation to that person as well, you know? Well, if, if you could go back in time and give your parents some advice, what would you have advised them to do differently or more of? Um, I guess just sort of like trusting me in my decision to transition and to change my life in that way and that I wasn't doing it as a young impulsive person, you know, without any fore or afterthought. Um, I think that was a probably probably would be the biggest thing is just trust me a little more in what I'm doing. You know, that's <laughs> that's funny because I I have heard the suggestion from so many or the complaint that um, they're just sick and tired of these fads 
and fashions as if any of us would change our gender um, yeah. as a fad or a fashion, yeah. the way we change shoes or something. It's, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, like no one chooses to make their life more difficult for, for nothing, you know? <laughs> right, right, that makes so much sense. So Jackie, what about you? I mean, how has your experience worked out with your own child? I can tell you, I can tell you one thing not to do, and I can tell this because I did it. <laughs> um, when my child told me um, that she was asexual, and I told her that she was wrong, and that she just didn't know, um, she hadn't had the, an experience yet, and so she was too young to know, and I didn't know whether that experience would be male or female, but when she did, she would know that she wasn't asexual. And um, so don't, when your child tells you, about their sexuality, don't tell them that they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even even if you're ultimately right, it, I lost years with her. I lost years with her because she wasn't going to tell me anything else after that. Yeah, you know, I that that just uh, seems like good advice for all of us. I can't imagine a counselor who's really trying to help somebody just looking them in the eye when they are first approaching a subject and saying, "Well, you're just wrong." Let me tell you how it is. You're just confused. Yeah. Yeah. Some snap out of it therapy is all you need here, mm -hmm. and you'll be fine. I know. This is, I, I am ashamed. I mean, this is one, it's been three years, three years since this happened, and I still look back at that day, and I was so proud of myself that I was open to letting her love whoever she wanted to love, regardless of gender, but that I didn't accept what she was telling me. What did it mean to you when she said she was asexual? I mean, why was that? If she had simply said, I'm gay or I'm trans, it, would that have been easier for you? Oh, yeah, a lot easier. The, the asexual one made me sad um, because I think sex is awesome. I think love and romance and passion are awesome. And it made me sad that she felt like she wasn't going to experience that. You know, I understand that you're, you can be asexual and still love. And, but it, it, it bothered me that she the idea of her not having that passion for another person made me sad. And it, it made you sad, but, I mean, was it more than that? Like finding out your child lacks color vision or your child um, is not going to have normal hearing ever? I mean, those are really sad things, but was it, what was the sad part, I guess, is what I'm wondering? That, that she wouldn't be like you? That... No, because she's obviously not like me, and, and she's never been like me. So that wasn't an expectation. It was the idea, again, I, I think sex is a really important part of who we are, and I think a, a romantic, passionate relationship with another person is something that makes us human. And, and perhaps I didn't completely understand what it meant to be asexual, um, but I just I didn't want her to, to give up on that. Were you worried she might end up alone at some point and regretting that later on? Sure, sure. And I know so much about sex as emotion, and I, you know, I, I, I think emotion is important. Yeah, and I think the asexual community is actually one of the harder ones for parents to get because there seem to be fewer of them, or at least fewer who know that they are asexual. And we, as a community, they really haven't, you know, um, had a presence. In, in the public spotlight nearly so much as the gay community or the LGBTQIA plus community. I think that, um, but I'm sitting here listening to this from my own hetero perspective of growing up in the 50s and 60s. And 
I have to say I'm a little bit envious of of all of you to some degree because uh, I had exactly zero conversations about my sexuality with my parents and zero understanding and lots of presumed irrational beliefs. And I think, you know, not that I want to change places with anyone here at the table, but it just seems to me like these sorts of open conversations need to be had by all families, regardless of whether somebody thinks that they belong to a sexual minority. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I, I was reading something about that yesterday, preparing for this today, um, that even regardless if your kid is gay or if even if they're straight, you should have those conversations, especially since those are going to be their classmates, their friends. They need to know, you know, what thing, who, who people are, how they identify, what to expect, how to treat people with respect. Um, and then one thing I'd like to say just for any parents listening, like, you know, look up resources like PFLAG, for example, so you can find some folks to, you know, kind of use as a soundboard, you know, like, what do I do? You know, those types of situations. PFLAG is a great organization to, to get involved in. I think it's important, too, that to kind of piggyback that parents find communities and not kind of use their LGBT kid as their therapist about their feelings regarding them because, you know, your kid is going to have their own feelings about themselves and to also have to process your feelings about them um, is a lot to ask anybody to have to do, let alone somebody who's really young um, or even somebody who's 20, you know, like it's just a lot to ask of anybody in a relationship. So to have other parents that you can talk to about the things that you're going through will be beneficial for everyone involved. Can I just add to that? I think that um, as a parent, you are transitioning as well. Um, you know, if your your expectations for your child are completely changing and you are changing as a parent. So it's important to get your own therapy, you know, and, and not just figure that you're just going to soldier through. And, and you know, it's, I agree 100% with this, that you need to be able to talk to somebody about your feelings openly. Yeah, I'm thinking about that old saying, knowledge is power. And the idea that uh, every American family could sit about and just have reasonable conversations about sexual diversity doesn't seem to me to be such an impossibly difficult chore. I mean, it, it comes up in movies and, and sexual orientation and sexual identity. And these, these matters come up on TV and in our literature. And I, for me as a parent, it just feels like it would be the kind of thing any loving, informed parent would want to talk about with their children so that they could prepare their children for life in this world of ours today, which has not really changed in any biological sense. Uh, it's only changed in that now we're talking about things that were never right proper subjects of conversation. So I, I, I guess for me, it's just I would love the idea that kids in elementary school would know what it means uh, when we use the word gay and they would know what it means when we talk about sexual orientation and they would know what asexual means or trans means. And and I think it would be awesome even for the family that's made up of entirely heterosexual individuals to just be better informed about their community and the individuals in it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think, I don't know, I don't ever want to be a parent. I don't have that desire, but 
you know, if that was something that struck me in my life, you know, in another universe and I wanted to have a child, I would, I think my only hope for them would be that they would meet every other human being with the open-mindedness that that person's experience as a human being is completely different than theirs and that's okay and that you should celebrate that, you know, that would kind of be my only hope. Yeah, if only all of us could realize that. I mean, even hetero to hetero, we are all so incredibly unique and truly different from one another. Just because a uh, man and woman are hetero has nothing to do with whether or not they're going to be sexually compatible in some relationship, even if they're in love. They could be just way too divergent. And without these conversations, I don't, I don't see how any of us are going to make it in the sense of having happy adaptive lives yeah absolutely I have, a, I have a question for our guests one of the reasons that this conversation comes up a lot for me is um, I have a lot of friends who have kids who are LGBTQ I don't know if it's like minds flock together or, or what it is <laughs> you're a magnet <laughs> <laughs> but I also talk to a lot of um, LGBTQ people who, who don't speak to their parents and um, and that makes me want to cry um, the idea of not having my children talk to me or for a year or eight months to, to not want to be a part of. And so say that your uh, parent messes up, which we do. We're not perfect. How do they fix it? Like how, how can they come back? Because I can't imagine any parent who would choose that. Um, I, and I can only speak from what, what I would have wanted in my own situation. Um, when, you know, I didn't, my father and I weren't talking, you know, it would have meant the world to me if he had just called and let's say I don't answer or whatever, but if he had said, I really want to apologize to you or something like that, or I really want to talk through this or something like that would have been great because in my family, people just brush things under the rug and they say, we don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, so to me, that would have been great. And, and if, if it had been approached from like, yes, I messed up and I'm going to acknowledge that rather than a phone call where we're talking about the weather and we're just not going to talk about the elephant in the room uh, would have been great to me. Yeah, and I can't help but think that you're still, you'd still be delighted to get that phone call. Yeah, because it was never really an apology. It was a weird call where I think you're mad at me and I think I know why. Um, let's do, And we, you know, we kind of talked through it and now we're fine. But it, it would have still been nice to have gotten like, and I'm sorry I messed up. You know, I, I didn't know what I didn't know, you know. Right, right. That makes so much sense to me. Can I ask you, you know, in your conversations with your mom, have you guys had conversations about how values have changed? I mean, she starts off with her husband uh, and, and pretty much again, in the sense, against um, your being gay. And have the values around the com in the conversations you and your mother uh, had changed? Um, and, and my parents are divorced, by the way, so it was, like, so hard, you know, ping-ponging back and forth between them, you know, of, like, helping them both understand separately. Um, but for my mom, you know, she, the way she's kind of gotten past it is she's said to me, well, that's between you and the Lord. I love you no matter what. She's basically saying, you know, I'm going to not, you know, carry this on as, like, this is my fault or anything like that. Not that anyone's at fault, but I think it's her way of of getting to acceptance. And to me, I'm like, I'll take a win where I can get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's it's thank God for your mom's attitude because it means she's also not required to be God's enforcer. 
making you tow whatever line she thinks you should be towing. So she gets to just be her own child of God, you know, mm-hmm. loving you where you are. So Levi, um, so same question for you as far as giving advice to parents who have messed up. How how do they fix it? Um, well, I think I just I have an interesting perspective because religion didn't really a bit play a big part in my family and I's relationship during you know their time of having to understand me as a person. And I don't think that time is over. I don't think it will ever be over like anything. You know, we're always going to learn more. Um, But I would say, you know, when you go to apologize, make sure that you're apologizing from a sincere place, you know, because um, not just from parents, but in many people who have, you know, messed up in that sense in terms, you know, and said or did something offensive, et cetera. Um, it wasn't an, an sincere apology. It was an apology for an apology's sake, and that's going to burn more than just not apologizing at all. Um, so I would say analyze your reasons for apologizing and just make sure that when you do apologize that, like, you know, you're open to your child maybe not accepting it at that time, and maybe they need more time to be okay with it, and they need to get to a place where they're okay to forgive you and you have to just sit with that, you know. Um, an apology isn't going to fix everything, and I think going into an apology with that understanding, no matter the situation, is like the best place to be. Well, and I would think that it it could require multiple apologies. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is obviously something that doesn't it doesn't get better just with one conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still have conversations with my parents. I'm like, remember you did that thing or you said this thing, and they don't remember or realize that it was you know something horrible that they said because i know my mom in conversations like she was like oh i was totally fine back then i'm like hold up let me give you a history lesson (laughs) it was not fine and i'll remind her of like the hurtful thing she said and then she's just like oh my god i had no idea so i think to your point like you're going to continue probably for the rest of your life having these conversations with your parents you know if like you did this thing and i kind of felt bad for a while yeah, I, I, I hear you, and I think it, it's going to be more of a process than an event, mm-hmm. you know, of, of reconciling and, and coming out of, you know, for, for me, what, what it would mean is very similar to what I experienced going through any of the issues over which I've had denial, and that didn't, coming out of denial doesn't happen all at once. You know, it's layer upon layer of uh, misinformation and irrational thinking and all the rest and it takes a while to get rid of all that so we've reached a point where um, we're going to say goodbye and if you would like to chime in on this conversation we invite you to go ahead and throw us a tweet or a question uh, at Stephen Ng MFT thank you all for being here today thank thanks you. for having thank us you.